so the, the, the big benefit for the banks is uh, once they go back and, and are leveraging those open APIs from Oracle, we really can go back and I think if, if you're not the largest, so what's interesting is I think if you look at the banks that can go back and leverage this, so if you're a really large bank, most of these sometimes even have their own accelerator program. Um, they're curating their own sets of syntax that they want to go back and collaborate with. But once you get beyond really the those really large banks, it's difficult for, uh, they don't have the um, resources to go back and kind of drive their own accelerator program. So I think what, what ends up happening is the fact that Oracle is curating a set of syntax that work with us that work with our open APIs gives these banks a ready set of syntax that they can go back and plug. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Today's guest is Aubrey Hawes, who leads Oracle's sales consulting team around its banking products, including open banking and core banking monetization. The software provider began early, thinking about the move to open banking and charting a path to open APIs. The company today has 2,000 APIs used by hundreds of the largest banks in the world. Oracle also encourages ecosystem building on its platform, including some of the top fintech firms as well as emerging new players. We discuss Oracle's work in financial services and the challenges and opportunities its clients face. Aubrey describes the tech firm's approach to open banking and the various initiative Oracle undertakes to drive the growth and depth of its fintech ecosystem. Aubrey Hawes is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. So my name is Aubrey Hawes, and I work at Oracle in our Financial Services Global Business Unit, and I lead our sales consulting uh, team across North and South America for our banking products, including things like open banking, origination, collections, pricing, and core banking modernization. So one of the things, you know, people in the industry think about Oracle is like being sort of, you know, the indicative of, you know, sort of on-premise big software. Um, what what prompted Oracle to kind of embrace the open API and go in that direction? So I think if you look at Oracle's been in the banking vertical software space for you know over ten years, um, we made an acquisition. We've made several acquisitions. The largest, which was a company called iFlex, um, that had built banking core banking applications that deployed really around the globe. And I think based on that deep understanding of financial services, Oracle's, I think, technology prowess, we saw this opportunity um, where you started to see this opening up of the, the banking ecosystem. And you started to see the cost to do innovation with the with cloud computing costs coming down. And you see kind of the world of change where everyone needs to buy some microsystem server. Um, and buy their Oracle database and their, their BEA uh, app server and go develop something, there was an opportunity that says, hey, I can really go back and develop creative solutions with low-cost cloud computing. And we saw this opportunity that says, how do we start to go back and define um, APIs that allow these new startups to coexist and integrate um, with banks? Because I think quickly early on, we saw this opportunity that said, hey, I don't think these fintechs are all going to be just competitors with the banks. I think there's really kind of a symbiotic relationship where the banks can actually use these fintechs to target uh, new markets, new types of customer base, and really complement some of those capabilities. So I think that's really kind of drove us thinking, hey, we need to go back 
and develop a robust set of open APIs. So, so this driving connectivity back to Oracle, can you talk about, um, I guess, you know, what, what that looks like today now that that's in place? Um, who's using that? And I guess what type of startups are, are integrating in, into that system? Yeah, so, so what's, what's interesting is, you know, we started this uh, about you know, five plus years ago, this work around these open APIs. And I think when we first came out, uh, we probably had about 250 APIs. We've now got over 1,600 APIs um, where we've kind of steadily expanded that capability where we first started really more around uh, consumer retail We've kind of expanded that to include much more open APIs that kind of pertain to the corporate side of the bank. And as you start to look at the digitization of the B2B space of the digitization of the corporate bank, we see a huge sort of opportunity there. And what we've done as we've released these APIs, what we've done two things. One is kind of share it with our existing install base. And then we've also run hackathons where we've brought in fintechs to build on top of these APIs to really help make their FinTech idea kind of come to life with real banking data. And if you know, the most recent one that we did was at uh, Cybos um, uh, here recently in the UK, where we started to pull in some really unique sort of companies. If you look at um, Bankify, which is really kind of one of, the, one of the ideas that says, how do you start to give really micro businesses the ab ability to provide um, the ability to do accounts payable and payment sort of functionality and trying to drive a value-added service on top of their deposit account at the bank. Um, you can go back and look, for example, at Personetics, which is much more of, a, of an AI sort of chatbot engine where a lot of these tools like that need a robust set of services they can call to go back and get answers, whether that's to what's my balance, how can I move money? You know, what are my pending transactions? You know, that's a, an area where these these AI or chatbot kind of engines really need a lot of insights that they can go back and drive. Well, the way they get insights is by consuming um, open APIs that are kind of pulling information from your core systems and other systems. So I think that's really where we've been able to um, go back and, and create an impact and really start to build a large ecosystem of fintechs that work with Oracle and Oracle's open APIs. So it allows our customers to go back and benefit from that innovation. And I, I'm curious in terms of outreach um, and developer relations within the fintech community, does it, I mean, obviously Oracle is such a huge brand and, and, and well-known. Um, is it, is it, does it make a lot of sense for fintech companies, you know, to to participate in those in those hackathons? Like, are, are they are they willing participants? Do they see this? I guess asked differently as a way into you know working with the, the largest banks in the U.S. So, so I I think it does. Um, so one of the big initiatives that that Oracle has launched is something called Oracle for Startups, and so this is a program that really looks at getting all sorts of startup businesses to, to develop on Oracle, fintechs and non-fintechs. And I think if you, if you look at this, um, you're really seeing this kind of explosion of smaller startups with the gig economy um, getting created. And so I think this is an overall program that Oracle wanted to incent some of these 
these smaller startup businesses to develop on Oracle, to be able to do that in a cost-effective way, and to allow them to grow and use our, and use our platforms. I think if you look at it when it gets back into the, is, as, a, as the fintech niche around that, which is kind of the group that we fit in, um, working with that larger Oracle Startups program is, is really how do we go back and, and start to nurture those. As, so if you look at that as a large program, that's I think where we get some of the benefit of scale of Oracle being such a large um, technology company. It allows us to go back and why wouldn't some of these fintechs want to partner with us? We've got over 500 core banking deployments um, around the globe. We are a large player in this space. And so I think there's also lots of interesting um, nuances, especially, you know, even if I pick another you know, segment, um, if I go back to kind of the bank of high example, where the, if you look at the ER, ERP space, from our Oracle, PeopleSoft, and our NetSuite. We have such a large market share of customers that are using Oracle for ERP. There's a huge amount of connectivity that can be achieved between how do you connect in corporate banking, how do you connect really to the business's ERP back into banks to go back and start to streamline things like payments, um, and how do you start to, to leverage, uh, rec improve things like reconciliation processes? How do you go back and allow them to set up virtual accounts? So if I'm a business and I have, let's say, um, uh, 500 uh, rental properties, and what I want to do is instead of having one account with the bank, I set up 500 virtual accounts, and I allow me to go back and accept payments and generate invoices out of those single accounts. It starts to really simplify reconciliation. So I think that is what becomes very attractive for these fintechs to say, yes, I do want to go back and, and partner with Oracle because it's not just our technology platform. It's not just our banking capability. It's also our other, other assets when you look, say, for example, around ERP. And, and do you, and I guess as Oracle is the hub around these these spokes, you've got you know the the, the incumbent side, and you've got these fintechs within the ecosystem. Um, I get whether it's work through the the hackathons or it's work through the enterprise level. Like is 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 Oracle sort of the enabler of the conversation between fintechs um, and incumbents, or are those just sort of separate relationships from where you sit at Oracle? Um. So, you know, I, I think it, it probably depends in, um, in, in different markets as to whether or not and, and how we kind of go back and facilitate um, some of that. I think that where, where, we, where I think Oracle had initially had traction probably before the whole um, startup program, it was more around um, bringing mature text to Oracle to drive some of that capability, I think. So the startup program has really allowed us to go and attract a much uh, smaller fintechs to go back and to develop on Oracle to drive connectivity because they see the opportunity to go back and get access to, um, to the environment. And I think if I, you know, just to give another example, because I think a lot of times it's really helpful when you talk in the concepts of, of stories, um, another example where we were using our open banking APIs is with a collaboration between the Carolina FinTech Hub and uh, the Clearinghouse mm -hmm. around real-time payments. And if you think about where real-time payments is quite a hot topic in the United States, 
now, partially because the United States is behind the rest of the world when it gets into real-time payments, um, we made our open APIs available. We provided um, some core banking environments and our payments hubs available in a cloud infrastructure so that banks could actually create business ideas around leveraging the real-time payments rail. Um, it was interesting, and the, the, the winner of that was announced in June or July, was uh, Avid Exchange and Fifth Third that kind of partnered around how do they go back and, and leverage the real-time payment rail uh, for um, requests for payment to kind of streamline some of that AP processing. And if you look at that, you know, Fifth Third is a, is a large bank. You look at Avid Exchange as a, as a, as a unicorn fintech. Mm-hmm. Well, so so can we change perspective a little bit? Um, let's talk about you know, as as this program has matured, what the what benefits the banks themselves are kind of reaping from being connected into this ecosystem. So, so the the, the big benefit for the banks is uh, once they go back and and are leveraging those open APIs from Oracle. We really can go back, and I think if, if you're not the largest, so what's interesting is I think if you look at the banks that can go back and leverage this. So if you're a really large bank, most of these sometimes even have their own accelerator program. Um, they're curating their own sets of fintechs that they want to go back and collaborate with. But once you get beyond really the those really large banks, it's difficult for uh, they don't have the um, resources to go back and kind of drive their own accelerator program. So I think what, what ends up happening is the fact that Oracle is curating a set of fintechs that work with us, that work with our open APIs, gives these banks a ready set of fintechs that they can go back and plug, whether they want help around chatbots, they want help around um, identity verification, KYC. So you can get back, and we've kind of tried to create a map around functionally who are the different fintechs that we can go back and work with so that we can kind of go back and plug plug them in against that so that as we go back and talk to a bank where you have a need they can potentially go back and plug it with that so that's it's 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 really saying how do we help them so that if the bank isn't one of those those really large banks, they can go back and, and pick from this marketplace of fintechs that we've got and plug that plug that capability. That's interesting. Can you give an example? I know in our in our pre-interview conversation, uh, you mentioned a flagship customer. Can you talk about sort of um, the work you've done with with a specific bank and and sort of how they've you know having deployed with open APIs, how how that's impacted their business and how they how they transform through it? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm more than happy to talk about this one because it's, it's they're, they're 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 quite vocal. So it's KeyBank, and so if you look at KeyBank, KeyBank is a top 20 bank here in the United States. They're a super regional headquartered out of Cleveland, and if you look at it, we've been doing lots of work with KeyBank. Um, the first piece of work we were doing with them was helping them modernize um, their digital self-service strategy. Uh, and, and the big goal around that was if you look at kind of pre-introduction of Apple with iPhone, self-service was all about delivering the exact same capability as every other bank, you know, kind of the same way the ATMs was, right? We're going to go back and I'm going to drive differentiation on my 
on my branch experience. But I think once we had the introduction of the iPhone and everyone initially started to, to, to launch the same sort of mobile banking capability, it quickly pivoted because, you know, now less people are coming into the banking centers. How do I go back and use self-service as a way to drive differentiation? And so what they did was they deployed um, some of our open APIs and business services uh, initially around servicing. So it said, I wanted to go back and get away from delivering the exact same 10 uh, self-service functions as every other bank. And I want to start to, to unlock data that I have across my different core systems so that I can expose that out to self-service users to allow them to do things like money movements across multiple of my core platforms, a better job around scheduling uh, money movements around how do we get access to that, lots of different types of inquiries. And um, as, at the same time that we were helping them do that, KeyBank was really looking at, at, at kind of how they were leveraging a brand around um, financial wellness, which is really a big brand that they're going to market with. You're starting to see, I think, some other uh, financial institutions look at some of that similar messaging. But really says, how do I go back? I'm looking at that people are focused on their financial or their physical wellness. Like, you know, I'm wearing a Fitbit or my Apple Watch to go back and measure and, and Strava to kind of quantify that. How do I really do that from a financial perspective? And I think that's where KeyBank went down that strategy that said, how do I focus on financial wellness and drive that? And so part of that got back into how do they modernize um, their digital experience, both with expanding capability, and then they've also made several acquisitions in the fintech space. Uh, one in particular was around Hello Wallet. It really allowed them to kind of go back and exploit some of that capability. And so uh, that, and it was interesting, that program, I, I like to, I'm quite proud of it for, for KeyBank, won the Digital Transformation Award from Valence Model Bank Awards um, earlier this year. So it was really kind of a fantastic program. And, and now that that program is live, they're, they're working on their next program, which was a, a very large consumer lending transformation that they're doing with Oracle, where they're moving off of legacy mainframe ALS um, loan servicing cores to a modern built for the digital era, real-time straight through process system um, for loan servicing, allowing them to really have zero operations for things like give me a you know a loan payoff quote something that used to take you know may take three or four hours to execute the the, the the labor but typically you had kind of a customer expectation that it's going to take me 24 hours to give you an answer because uh, those traditional loan servicing platforms were built in an era where someone when they got their installment loan for buying a car they every month they tore a coupon out of the loan coupon book wrote their check put an envelope put a stamp on it sent it into the back office and there's their balance transaction that went to the check sorters well that's kind of not the the world we live in anymore where everyone can order something from amazon and have it show up at their doorsteps potentially two hours later so it's really looking at saying how do you go back and transform that does that make sense it does. And, and I guess, Aubrey, can you, are there things you can point to? It, it doesn't have to be specific to KeyBank, but to an FI like KeyBank that, you know, is, seems successful in adopting sort of, you know, this new, this open API, this new move towards the cloud. Um, are there certain things internally that, that I guess, define success or that you, you can pull out learnings from that, to share with us? You know, what I, what I think the... You know, what I think is interesting is if you're getting started 
um, in open APIs or starting to really look at APIs, I think one of the, the first areas to get started with is really looking at saying, how do you go back and take a batch interface that you may have today, and how do you go back and potentially change that to an online interface? Because it's already kind of an integration point in your application architecture. And if you start to kind of change that, it allows you to start to experiment. And I think that what we've found is you have to, um, in this opening banking era, and you, you start to open up these systems, you have to start to be able to experiment with uh, how do I change my integration patterns? How do I start to change some of that um, that sort of capability. So I think that to me is really one of the first places you can go back and start because it allows you to experiment. And I think a lot of times that can be kind of a baby step versus, you know, how do I go back and deploy 500 OP APIs that can allow me to go back and talk to 10 different FinTechs? Well, you know, there's a, there's a whole process there around, you know, going through the security around opening up those APIs and how do I make sure I have the right security in place is how do I, you know, drive the right um, sort of vendor relationship around here, you know, the fintechs I want to drive connectivities to. So potentially those are other activities you're going to need to go back and do. But I think a lot of times it's converting some of these batch interfaces to an online interface, which allows me to go back and kind of change this paradigm mm -hmm. where now banking is 24 by 7 always on. How do I start to get there? And so I think sometimes you just got to take, you know, baby steps around how, how do you get there? And certainly different different banks run different stages of that journey but that's where we see kind of an is, is a is a great place to get started and i think another area is really looking at um and this is where we've worked with some other banks and saying how do i go back and and channel and do some of these use these apis sometimes almost first internally to do almost like an internal competition an internal hackathon or a build-a-thon that says how can i start to reassemble sort of capability in a different way that allows me to go back and drive innovation. Um, I think that's really been another key area that we've seen work both to, you know, engage my workforce, right? So everyone's really trying to figure out, I mean, I think in, in tech and banking, there's, there's really a global war on how do I get the best sort of talent um, mm -hmm. at my institution. So this is a way for me to go back and engage that talent in solving interesting problems and allowing some of that to kind of go bubble back up. So I think it's really, how do you look at all of those levers? It's really not one, one single lever. And, and where do you think that comes from, from within the organization? Is that, you know, is that an engineering mandate or is that, you know, does that, you know, does the flag rise all the way up to the top of the pole? Does, is that coming from the, you know, the C-suite down uh, in terms of embracing sort of this new paradigm? So, it, so it's it's interesting. I think if you look at it, if you say certain banks, it's coming all the way from the top, right? So one of the things I think about when you ask a question like that, you know, Jamie Dimon mm -hmm. um, has been very vocal around um, his view on cryptocurrencies, then to the really starting to embrace blockchain as technology. You know, the fact that he said, you know, he called, I guess, a long time ago, you know, Silicon Valley is coming for your customers or it's also coming from for the talent. So I think if you look at at very forward thinking CEOs like Jamie Dimon, I think he really that's really coming from the top because I think he's trying to establish that culture as it goes down the organization. Um, I don't know that that's true everywhere. 
Uh, I think it's, you know, there's, it, it, but it certainly is a kind of a leadership challenge that needs to come. I think a lot of banks are really viewing this as their chief digital officer or their chief data officer is typically where some of that um, push to say, hey, I need to go back and look at this innovation. I need to look at saying, how do I go back and, and open up my applications? I think that's really kind of at most banks, that's probably where it's coming from, and maybe not the CEO, but I think as time passes, I think more CEOs truly are, are starting to get it, and I think partially it helps because I think, you know, the fact that, hey, Jamie Diamond was on, you know, 60 Minutes this past Sunday uh, talking, you don't think a lot of times when you're not in a crisis, um, you know, bank CEOs are making a mainline sort of news magazine. So I think part of that gets back into that that his ability to go back and, and raise how do you get, use technology to go back and say solve problems is what is I think establishing hey this needs to really go back and permeate uh, some of those organizations and that's certainly been something that I've seen um, with the banks that I work here in Charlotte with some of the um, I guess inside and outside of Oracle work with uh, the local FinTech hub where we use some of these hackathons to drive new market talent and drive workforce uh, engagement. So I wanted to end our conversation on, um, on your local work in, in, in North Carolina, both for, you know, Oracle ecosystem building as well as just the local ecosystem building. Can you talk about some of your activities there and sort of what's, how North Carolina is emerging as a, as a FinTech hub? Yeah, so I would love to because I think um, what's interesting is maybe for your listeners, some of them may know this, some of them may not know this, but like Charlotte is the number two banking hub for the United States. Um, We have Bank of America um, headquartered here. Truist uh, has announced that, which is a combination of SunTrust and BB&T, when that acquisition um, is finally approved, they've announced that Charlotte will be there. Their headquarters, part of that is because of the large uh, tech talent base here. And then other financial institutions like uh, Fifth Third, Wells Fargo, Ally, um, MetLife, Aflac Ventures, AIG, all have large uh, presences in the Charlotte area. And so one of the things that Charlotte um, had launched is a nonprofit called the Carolina FinTech Hub, which has a, a backing of a lot of those banks that I've mentioned. Um, including uh, EY, Oracle has also contributed with um, our applications to be leveraged for some of these build-a-thons, hackathons. And I think if you look at it is, you know, Charlotte, where it's the number two financial services market, um, some people don't think of us as large as probably New York, San Francisco, Boston. And there's been a, a large community effort to really look at, one, how do we attract more fintech organizations to come into Charlotte, where we already do have several in the form of Lending Tree or Avid Exchange, or um, just to kind of name a few. But it's also looking at saying, how do we go back and attract talent to the area? Because uh, all of these institutions, whether they're a FinTech or a bank, is going to need tech talent. So how do we go back and attract that? And so that's some of the work that we've done by making Oracle's open APIs and platforms available to go do some of these hackathons around talent. Um, and then one of the other interesting initiatives is we've also done, we've launched a program called WIN, which is a workforce um, initiative, really looking at trying to change um, the 
economic mobility challenge. It was interesting. There was a report written about a year ago on Charlotte, how Charlotte was the 50th city out of 50 cities um, for economic mobility, meaning if you got born into poverty, it was going to be very difficult to get out in Charlotte based on all the large 50 uh, markets. And so one of the things I think that this, the, the FinTech conference tried to take on that initiative is really looking at saying, how do we go back and do I really need a college degree to be a entry-level developer at some of these different banks? And so we've really tried to help focus with this WIN initiative on, on getting talent that has an, a technical aptitude or a math level aptitude bring them into a program, uh, provide training for about six months. The, the member banks of these organizations are actually onboarding um, the, the graduates of this program in entry-level positions and really trying to make a, a change in the community. So it's really been um, quite dynamic. It's not the only thing that the Carolina FinTech Hub uh, does here, but I think it's really one piece that, that's trying to really make an impact in the organization or in the, in the community. And do you see this as a model for other communities, um, I guess, to, to, to garner their resources and, and, and kind of work together to emerge also as, as other fintech hubs? Or is there something specific about Carolina that makes that that way? So I, I think one of the things that I think makes it unique for, for Charlotte, the, uh, the ability for us to kind of uh, come together like this is, it is, you know, I, I've, so listen, you know, Charlotte's still in the South. I like to, I, I'm, I was grown up, I grew up in the South. I like to think that there is a politeness and neighborliness that still exists kind of down here in the Charlotte and Charlotte and that the South is famous for. And so I think this is one of these, you know, let's, how do we go back and work together? We may compete um, for each other's business um, at the end of the day. But at the other side, we're also are trying to raise up a community because you know our kids may play on the same little league, they may get at the same schools. So there is kind of this community initiative that I think really does kind of hold this community together. I think it, it makes it attractive it's for, 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 for people to come here. The weather doesn't, doesn't hurt as well. And I think what's interesting is if you do look, you know, I work at Oracle, Oracle's based in Silicon Valley. Um, I'm out in Silicon Valley all the time and you, you start to hear um, how some of the other large tech companies are out there trying to go back and do different things around housing grants and how do you address affordable housing. So I do think that you see other communities trying to, or, or other businesses in other communities trying to do things to impact it. I think maybe what we're doing here in Charlotte around FinTech is a little bit unique because of the 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 banks that that are here and that there's a large banking infrastructure so it makes more sense for us to say focus on that um versus i guess a different sub-market and kind of tech so i think we naturally kind of have those talents and we had a you know we have a, a small an early stage accelerator here that's run by dan roselli called queen city fintech um that is not a single branded um accelerator all of those banks kind of um, contribute talent to it and one of the unique ways I'm a mentor in that into that group and one of the ways we attract uh, fintechs into that program is you're going to have mentors from several different financial institutions versus say rolling into a Barclays Techstars which it's a great that's a great program as well but it's you know you've got a one a single set of mentors back with kind of um, uh, Barclays 
So I think that's where kind of this whole community effort can kind of come into play. And I think it probably certainly works great um, where you're not the, you know, the, the big dog in town, like maybe in New York. But I think all communities to some degree do this. I just think Charlotte's a little bit unique. Aubrey, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Beck.